So I've had many students at the beginning of a year that when I'm teaching them and pastoring them, they'll run to me asking me for my advice. And I, you know, I love that. I love the fact that they feel they can trust me more than themselves. But my main triumph, if I can make it happen with these ones, is that by the end of the year, they actually trust themselves more than me. That's my heart. And more importantly, they trust the Lord more than me. <laughs> and so I'll often go and ask themselves, I'll ask some questions that they can ask themselves so that they actually come out with their own answers. You'll find, you'll notice when people don't trust themselves because they're constantly asking you for advice and, um, and answers on things. And um, it doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't go and ask for advice. I do think it's very important that we're teachable. But that committee, it should only be a small committee. It doesn't have to be the world. That small committee that actually are willing to give you advice and they're also very strong in saying no to you are the ones that believe in you the most. You trust them because they believe in you the most, but they're also willing to say no and be honest with you. I'm Carrie Lloyd, and you're listening to the Carry On Podcast. Come and stay a while amid the British charm that is called my brain. I'm a journalist and pastor in California, but don't hold that against me. I wasn't brainwashed. I chose to leave my atheism on my own accord, consequently after two sips of Kool-Aid. But that's for another time. These opinions are my own most of the time. The humour was learned of a book I found in a hedge, and the dreamer in me, well, she's here to stay. So, you're very welcome. Hello, my friends. So lovely to be back with you. Just one more time. Um, Actually, no, I'm going to be doing many of these. I don't know why I said just one more time. That probably put the fear of the living Lord into you. Because we all know that there are thousands of these podcasts yet to arrive (laughs) and yet to come out of me. So, gosh, that's terrifying for most people, isn't it? But fabulous material for my mother. Anyway, today I would like to um, talk about building trust with myself. It's a lost art form, I believe, for most people. Um, Most of the time we're working hard, if at all, on building trust with others, which is what I'd like to talk about next time. This time, though, I think one of the first parts of building love and um, and confidence in ourselves is actually building trust within ourselves. And over the many years of life so far, a lot of those years were me doing things liberally, joyously, without a care in the world for others, never mind myself. And so I was all about having the fun and having adventure and pow, pow, pow all the time. And people thought I was very fearless and confident. And yet my closest friends knew that I, that wasn't actually all that true. And I did a fantastic job of performing this confident woman that would be fearless and uh, do uh, all manner of things at all manner of hours of the night. But it really didn't um, do wonders for my heart. And actually, my heart, I learned, was this tiny little childlike thing, this organ, living organ that wanted to be taken care of. And gosh, I know I sound American. All those British people listening going, gosh, she's turning American. She's all about the feelings these days. But actually, there is something to be said about Americans and their ability to emotionally express themselves. Um, And even though I would be often criticised for expression and emotional expression in England, um, I'd often be thought as as crazy or um, pathetic (laughs) on other levels. Um, But actually, it's probably one of the reasons why I moved to America, really, was just this wonderful 
permission to be emotionally expressive. Um, that and the fact that, you know, you guys have the sun in California. But uh, one of the things that I, I noticed I was developing more and more in my adulthood and going into my late 20s, early 30s, is I really didn't trust myself um, because I'd put myself through so much and I had really trampled down, numbed my heart an awful lot, pushed on through, didn't really want to listen to too much pain because I thought it would be too selfish. And I also thought uh, it wasn't very productive. It wasn't very effective to be introspective. So I avoided anything to do with the heart and um, went on the extremes of the opposite way. Often, I've often worked in pendulum swings from being a dedicated religious freak when I was younger to becoming a strong atheist. So basically my life these days is much more in, hopefully much more equilibrium with a... a very much a sort of very sincere integrity on life. I'm not an extremist, but when I do do things, I do it with thought, intentionality, and hopefully with a trust towards myself and building trust with others. Um, And one of the quotes that I really love that I think will just sort of frame this rather lovely, um, rather beautifully, is Maya Angelou said this, I don't trust people who don't love themselves and tell me I love you. There is an African saying, which is, be careful when a naked person offers you a shirt. You see, one of the things that I realized I had to start working on was the people that inspired me the most were the people who were able to trust themselves. The reason why I could tell that is for a few reasons. One is uh, they could make pretty clear decisions. They could respond very well in, in moments of crisis and chaos. They took ownership in places that I didn't even need, need them to think that they need to take ownership. Um, they were very calm. They were very gentle. Uh, they were very integral towards other people. They made noble choices. They're often quite self-sacrificing. And their needs from other people weren't as much, not to say they didn't have needs, of course we all have needs, it's a very important part, but they actually had uh, known how to take care of those needs so well within themselves, again, not a state of independence, but they knew the right people to go to, they had a good committee of people to speak into, but they often trusted themselves because they knew very clearly the distinction between their own voice, the Lord's voice, the enemy's voice. And they also knew um, how to build trust by making the right decisions in their life. So, of course, I was not like that. I would make decisions based on what other people had told me or what I was influenced by. I would often make decisions based on fear or I would manipulate others to get something for a short-term need. I would give in to temptation sometimes too easily. Um, I would often do the easier thing rather than the noble thing. I would do the thing that would serve me better or make me look better than what would actually make me humble pie but actually was the right and the righteous thing to do. Um, any of those moments you give in to those things, it actually will make you question yourself the next time. And you'll get defensive. You'll even start to numb yourself to the reality of the decisions you made because you basically trampled your heart and told it to shut up. Now, the reality of that is that might work for a while. In fact, people can go throughout the entire lifetimes doing this. But there's something very alive in choosing to have a relationship with your own heart. The moments you ignore those... um, 
those jabs of conviction, so to speak, those moments which go, you can make a good choice here for yourself, for your heart, and to guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That guarding your heart for the wellspring of life is actually, a lot of this is about trusting yourself, trusting when not to put yourself in dangerous situations, trusting when to actually risk in a state of obedience because you felt the Lord has told you to do something and it might be a huge risk for you and it might be very stretching, but because of the obedience, he's given you more to trust with. So there are times where it can conflict, but you won't know if that's the Lord or your own voice or the enemy's voice if you've spent so long ignoring when your heart is trying to tell you something that is actually going to get you into trouble. See, the heart's actually a great thermometer for how you're doing with yourself. And because I trampled over it so long and suffocated it and pushed it down, I never really allowed it to have this sort of experience of a conversation with me. So spending time in the secret place, and I can talk about that sometime. In, in fact, one of my producers for this has said, please, please, please talk about the secret place. Um, I think spending time in the secret place, and I mean spending time with the Lord, in an intentional place to actually feel his presence when we've got something wrong. It helped me to understand that I needed to start being kinder and tender to myself when I was getting things wrong. You see, my journey of um, losing distrust of myself or losing trust in myself was the fact that I had just been so self-critical. I thought that being critical towards myself would mean I would grow exponentially and I would get better at things so much faster, that I would become perfect and a wonderful reflection for our Lord. But actually I became a living nightmare to reflect any kind of glory because I was so self-critical. And therefore I was finding moments of hopelessness and um, just a futility for anything to ever work out because I had done such a fantastic job of, you know, it was a bit like me doing a performance for someone all of a sudden and the vulnerability of doing performance on stage and it's a bit like my little heart was doing this little performance of vulnerability whatever that might be I don't know let's say I'm on stage and I'm actually speaking and I speak for half an hour and I come off but my own self my own human being was there in the audience just giving me like a slow clap you know like a just a well done cares that was terrible um and so I'd feel the shame bubble of talking myself about how I could have done better now, sometimes <laughs> that actual, that, that, that technique of criticizing where we've gone wrong is really great for us to improve on our skill set, but it's really terrible for the heart. And so I had to, I, this is how I started to learn to sort of trust myself was by not being so critical towards myself and just going, you did your best. And I'm really proud of you for doing your best. And if I was feeling sick or feeling ill and I was still speaking or teaching in front of hundreds if not sometimes thousands, then I would have to be kind to myself and the book saying, this, this may not be your best performance, but guess what? You're not alone up there on the stage. The Lord is right behind you and he's going to fill in some gaps and some things are going to start happening without even you being needing to be there, really. And that would always be the case. The more I started to actually grow this capacity for the Lord to show up, the more I started to trust myself in my weakness, never mind my strength. Um, but I had to take the risk and I had to actually purposely start taking risks so that when I was vulnerable, then I could start speaking into my heart going, you did your best and I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you for just trying so beautifully in this moment because you know what? No one's taught you how to do this. You just have to go out there and fight it yourself. And so finding moments to actually stop being so critical 
And additionally, when people are giving you a compliment, you'll know if someone can, can be kind to themselves because they'll be able to take a compliment. And of course, as Brits, I sort of, sort of never want to ever, ever appear of arrogance and overly confident is one of the, it's like a sort of hidden no-no. Like no one is allowed to be overtly confident. One of the biggest criticisms that we can ever experience is someone go, gosh, they're so up themselves. I remember at school, we go, gosh, she's always boasting, you know, because she's talking about her new shoes, she's got a new pencil case or a new horse or something. And that might be true, but it, it, it sort of built this culture to say that we could never receive love or any kind of gift or any kind of compliment. We could never say thank you. We were always so terrified of looking like we were boasting that we went into this form of self-criticism and shame. It would be much, it's much easier to have low confidence and no esteem and not be considered arrogant than the other way around. Whereas actually on some levels, Americans are sort of much more nervous to be insecure and be much, would much rather be overtly confident than the other way around. It's amazing how much culture can add into the elements of trust that you have. Whenever I see people be critical towards other people, I normally, it doesn't take me very long to see that they're very cruel to themselves. Um, and that's how they talk to themselves. And that's what Mayor Angelo's talking about. Bill Johnson will talk about the fact that he's very nervous about trusting too much in those that are very self-critical towards themselves because if they're like that with them, they'll be like that with you. And, um, and it was actually Bill that started to challenge me on when people would give me compliments and I'd often get some lovely compliments every day. There was one particular day where someone I think had complimented on my coat or something. And I went, oh, this old thing, I got it from H&M in a sale sometimes, you know, instantly put it down. And, and Bill sort of gave me a light tap as if to, and then a wide eye going, hey, say thank you, rather than <laughs> dismissing the compliment. And I went, I do that quite a lot, don't I? And he went, not that I'm counting, but it's four times today. So I started to get much more conscientious about receiving a compliment and saying thank you and never wanting to dismiss it or dispel it because I, I, I just didn't feel right in taking a compliment. It was almost like I didn't deserve it and I must give it all back to the Lord immediately. Whereas actually, you know, fathers love telling their daughters how beautiful they are. I know that my father used to stare at me when I was asleep all the time, not in some weird sort of creepy way, but just he just adored me. And so there's something in the growing up that if we're not careful, we can lose that. We can lose how worthy we are in the world. And it often comes with our own voice towards ourselves. So I want to start to encourage you guys to actually give space and room for your own heart because it is a living organism and it does have a voice and it does want to be known, not by everyone else, but by you. And if there's a huge heart to want to get everyone to know you, it's mainly because you're not knowing yourself. And this desire to please everyone lessens if you actually desire to please yourself on some kind of that sounded really interesting. Maybe I should phrase that differently. But um, let's move on quickly. I feel that the importance of actually starting to have a conversation with your heart, not to get super introspective, and now this is all about me, it's actually so that you get more selfless and it's so you actually get kinder towards other people. It's so you can actually forgive people when they've messed up. It's so when you're in a political climate, you stop obliterating someone's character because they're doing policies differently to you. And I'm very aware of it in, in climates such as the political you know, campaigns that we're in. You can really start to see someone's character with how they talk about other people it's very close to how they talk about themselves if they get it wrong. 
But if they get it wrong and they're kind to themselves, they'll probably be very kind to people that they disagree with. Um, so giving space and room for my heart, it was a really important start to this. So intentionally being okay with starting to receive compliments, even if it felt very tense for me and very uncomfortable. Um, giving space for me to go, thank you. And then making sure that I would go and give that back to the Lord in, in private at some point and say, thank you for giving me these things that people have complimented me on. Um, if we don't have this personal relationship with ourselves, we will end up looking around. We will start to expect others to fix us. We will start to break into temptation and all sorts of weird and wonderful things that just are not a great idea for, um, for our lives or our lifestyle. It doesn't really build up trust and wholesomeness that we're all looking for. And so, and also being kind to the body physically. It's the same with this sort of diet cycle that I see. Eating disorders or body image stuff is often based on self-criticism. It's also based on a, a sense of if I was enough, then I would do something differently. And you're instantly just jabbing the heart over and over with constant criticism that doesn't build the trust. And so therefore we start looking outward. We look for other people that we think we can trust more than more than ourselves. I've had many students at the beginning of a year that when I'm teaching them and pastoring them, they'll run to me asking me for my advice. And I, you know, I love that. I love the fact that they feel they can trust me more than themselves. But my main triumph, if I can make it happen with these ones, is that by the end of the year, they actually trust themselves more than me. That's my heart. And more importantly, they trust the Lord more than me. <laughs> and so I'll often go and ask themselves, I'll ask some questions that they can ask themselves so that they actually come out with their own answers. You'll find, you'll notice when people don't trust themselves because they're constantly asking you for advice and, um, and answers on things. And um, it doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't go and ask for advice. I do think it's very important that we're teachable, but that committee, it should only be a small committee. It doesn't have to be the world. That small committee that actually are willing to give you advice and they're also very strong in saying no to you are the ones that believe in you the most. You trust them because they believe in you the most, but they're also willing to say no and be honest with you. So trust isn't just being kind and being lovely and, and just ignoring all the bad things. Actually, trust and being honest with yourself is what builds trust. There are a lot of beautiful sevens. I've got a lot of wonderful sevens in my life who, um, they're my friends and I just love doing life with them. They're very adventurous. And uh, for an achiever like myself, I love to achieve in adventure. And positivity always helps us feel like the sky's the limit. But the problem is, and, and there are other personalities, not just a type seven on the Enneagram, plenty of personalities that have been taught not to be uh, negative because it either could cost, cost you pain or it could cost you a friendship. It could cost you abandonment problems. Um, but type sevens are, tend to avoid conflict they tend to uh, not want to have those difficult conversations and they'll often sort of migrate to other things that are more positive and fun rather than just pushing through on their own authenticity and being honest with themselves. So one of the things that I find so fascinating about this is my healthy sevens will obviously be positive naturally, but they're also very willing to be very honest about their journey. And they might come with a silver lining at the end of it, but they allow space and room to not be in denial anymore. They allow space and room to actually go wrong. They actually allow space to just try things out and risk things. See, there's a difference between adventure and taking true risk. True risk is easier to do when you trust yourself. 
Because if you get it wrong, which often we do, you're not going to berate yourself when you're already feeling bad about a failure or a tanking situation. So it actually helps you to be compassionate towards the self. Um, the more authentic you are in these conversations, the more you will be able to start facing com- conflict with a, a heart to respond beautifully rather than react because you're going to have these conversations with yourself so for example if I'm in a let's say I'm I'm leading meeting and someone jibes at me or says something that is like oh ow ow that hurt oh I would normally sort of ignore it but I'll also notice the next time I don't want to talk to that person quite as often (laughs) because they've said something untoward or unnecessary and that's how I used to be I sort of just would slowly avoid chats because I've gone "Mm, they're not very kind and I don't need to have any anyone else criticizing me because I'm already very self-critical critical to myself and um, I don't need the tank overflowing with self-criticism thank you very much because we're already at the brim so here's what I do now if if someone gives me a sort of critical moment or wants to say something that's just untoward I now go oh that hurt but I might be in the middle of a meeting and I'm not going to react and respond, but I'm recognizing, oh, that hurt. I don't know why that hurt, but I'm I'm curious as to why that hurt so much. And I'll move on, and I'll actually have this internal conversation. It will go like this: Hey, little, hey, little thing, <laughs> that hurt, didn't it? And I'll almost hear, Yeah, it did. It really hurt. Okay, so I recognize it hurt you. We will have a conversation about it later, and I'll make sure that you get your chance to just figure out what that was. Okay, but right now we're in the middle of a meeting and I'm talking exactly like I would to a four-year-old child. Right now we're in the middle of a meeting and we will get that ice cream (laughs) and we will get you a little Barbie just to make you feel better, okay? But right now, mummy needs to be doing this meeting. (laughs) And so, is that okay? Okay, as long as we have that, we're actually going to get the ice cream. And so later on, I don't get an ice cream because that's probably not the wisest thing for me to do if I'm having some painful moment. But I will sit down and I'll go, huh, okay, so let's talk about today. What happened today? Why did that hurt you so much? Well, they said something about me being single and that they only wanted to go to marry people. And so, and and that's already a bit of a soft spot for me because I'm not married and I like to be married and it goes on. And so I go, yeah, that sucks. And you know what? It kind of sucks that that person didn't recognize that People in the Bible got wisdom from a donkey. So if they can't recognize they could get wisdom from you, and you do actually have some interesting things to say, and actually you do know what it takes to be sacrificial, and you do know what it takes to be in covenant, and actually where it goes wrong in covenant. So you actually do have some things to say. But I hear why it hurt. And you know what? They're very young, and they've just got into a relationship, and they didn't recognize that you've been in relationships for five or six years. They didn't recognize that you've experienced some of this long-term stuff. Even though it was only five or six years, it was still a journey. But they didn't ask you questions and they didn't actually check in. So here's my heart for you. We're going to forgive them because they didn't actually know how that, how much. And if they knew how much that was going to hurt you, they'd be mortified. And the heart goes, yeah, you're right. And thanks for listening. Oh, I feel better. I feel so much better. We don't even need to bring it up. We're good. I think they just, you know, and you don't need to prove, we don't need to prove anything to them. We don't need to prove that you have wisdom to impart. Because if they want to go to someone else, they can. And you know what? Um, Those that have gone through divorces, those that have been married and know you, they often come to you for advice. So you're good. You're fine. This one doesn't know you so well. And it's all right if they feel like you don't have anything to impart. Because guess what? We're not 
basing our worth on what they think of you, are we? No. If this was a very close friend of yours, probably a different story, and then we can go and have a chat with them and figure out what that was about. So it sounds really patronising, I know, and it sounds, and my Brit friends are going, gosh, she sounds American. Um, but the reality is, and I probably don't do it as, you know, as, okay, let's go play on the swings now. But I, I do actually have an, a very intentional conversation with it going, okay, what happened? And I write it out sometimes and I go, okay, so how do we move forward? And then that helps me build trust. But the number one thing is, if you've been stung during the day and you say that you're going to have this conversation at night and you don't, you've just lost trust with your heart. So you have to follow up on how am I going to make you feel better? How am I going to guard my heart for it's the wellspring of life? How am I going to do these things to build trust? Um, So that's a very important conversation to be having. It's also important to recognize that the things that we give into that fear manipulation, uh, the things that we're not naturally wired into our body, if we give into those things, we are losing trust and trust over and over again because we go, I want to do this. Wisdom tells me to do this, but I now I've just done this. And so therefore I don't trust myself. Then we start questioning the voice of the Lord, the voice of ourselves, the voice of the enemy. And it all gets muddled because... Guess what? If you can't differentiate your own voice because you did something, you followed something else or that kind of thing. The other thing that's very hard for people to build trust in is when people are giving in to their emotions and their feelings, um, if they know that they can be overwhelmed and overcome by emotions so much that they start to do very self-sabotaging things, well, the heart's never going to trust you with anything because you've already just said it, it isn't in control of anything. The, the emotions are so out of control that you've now given into anything. So I do have a few little steps that I'd like to give you. I've decided a few little pointers. I like being practical. I don't like just ethereally speaking about things and off you pop. Um, so let's just let's just talk nine things that I think will really help. Number one, intentionally apologize to your heart for all the things you ignorantly put it through, from codependency to addiction to lying to yourself, to the very subtle things like saying that you don't have a problem with something when you do, like manipulating someone and saying that you weren't manipulating them. Those things, be honest with yourself and start apologizing to yourself that you didn't give your heart a voice. Do it in front of the mirror. Do it right into your eyes because the eyes are the gateway to the soul. And um, you'll be speaking right into the spirit. And it's amazing what happens when you do this in front of the mirror. And then tell yourself that you're going to wipe the slate clean and tell yourself from now on it's going to take short accounts and short accounts only because you will make sure that you have conversations continually with your heart, with the secret place and with the Lord about how to put things right and make yourself feel better. Stop asking everyone, this is number two, stop asking everyone for their advice and ask only a small committee of people that know you and love you unconditionally, the ones that will say no to you. I've already covered that a little bit. Number three, don't be frightened of getting it wrong. Just like you would with a best friend, forgive yourself and ask what you can learn for the next time. Number four, be kind to yourself when you get it wrong. Number five, be truthful about your inadequacies. It gives room for you to understand your authentic self. Every time you try and pretend or perform, your heart goes, that's not me. That's not me at all. Very much like at the beginning of dating, we're all on our best behavior. But honestly, I've found that the more I'm just very true to myself on on the first few dates, 
uh, the more I trust myself with that guy <laughs> and the more I trust um, the fact that if he says no, well, great, at least I was my authentic self. If he starts falling in love with this version that I'm putting on display, of course I'm going to be worried that he's going to leave me in about four months' time because he's about to see some things that might not be as pretty as I'd hoped they would be. Um, in times of pain, this is number six, give space for your heart to vent, but choose wisely who and where you do this with. It, does, it doesn't excuse you leaving work or not getting your deadlines done. In fact, that will only add to you questioning yourself in more times of hardship. It's really important to carry on going. Maybe change the pace a bit if you're going through a grieving time or just some, some form of loss, but don't isolate which will be the tendency to, because the heart will want to connect with people, but your body might go, no, 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 I don't want anyone to see this mess. If you do that, your heart's going to go great, so you don't trust yourself with mess in front of other people. So why should I trust you? Because this is me, this is my authentic self being me. Um, when you are missing work for things of the heart, when you're uh, not getting things done or falling short of promises that you made for other people, your heart's actually not going to trust you in difficult times. So try to be responsible even when you're going through difficult times. It actually helps your heart to go, I trust you even in this very difficult time. Um, number seven is one of my favorites. Treat yourself to things. Um, taking care of yourself and your body is so important. I eat very healthy. Um, I limit how much I drink. <laughs> um, of course I do. It's very hard to actually get much sleep after two glasses of wine. So I really am a, a pretty light drinker. And I do actually think that it distorts all manner of things if you go uh, beyond a certain realm. It certainly loses your inability to have a conversation with your heart and all of a sudden pain starts to come up and it starts to get some of its needs met. So... Um, Treat yourself to things. Actively do things that are really kind to yourself. For me personally, every morning I wake up and I have a beautiful bath in my gorgeous roll-top clawfoot tub and um, I put some Epsom salts in there. I play music by hammock. I put some candles on, sometimes my favourites. I have the most beautiful soaps and I, I lather myself in bath milk, not whole milk, or like rice milk or soy milk, that would be really weird and gross, actually, to be honest with you. But I do everything I can in the morning, and I just sit there and I thank the Lord for my body. I thank the Lord for how much he loves me. I tell the Lord how much I love him. I tell the Lord who I'm grateful for in my life. I thank him for the people that he brings into my life, whether it's on a short-term space or a long-term space. I thank the Lord for all the wonders that have happened to my friends and to their families. And I just, I tell myself how well I've done in building trust and thank myself for building trust. And there is something in that that builds this beautiful confidence that actually means that when I come to making decisions, I still take a, a time on them. I don't make rash decisions. But um, even when I'm questioned if I've done the right thing, even on um, when I bought these houses, there are times people are like, oh, is that a good idea? And some of my wisest counsel said, oh, is that a good idea? And um, 
even when I'm the only one in the room, I might think it's a good idea. There is something in myself that's gone, no, I really felt like this. these savings were for this time, for this money, for this moment. And I recognize the points that you're making about it being an anchor and I can't travel around the world and, you know, and just plonk a suitcase wherever because I have a mortgage to take care of. But I knew that there was something so yearning in my heart to be able to build and invest in places and things that would give out to other people again that I actually felt confident in that thing, even when there were some friends who were like, ooh, I don't know if it's a good idea. Now, a few months down the line, they're going, you know what? Glad you did it, and this is absolutely supposed to be your home. So it, it always gives room for other voices to speak into my life. And that's how I knew I was starting to trust myself. I was actually allowing people to speak into my life and be able to mould me if I, if I felt true to my heart and my authentic self and also if it was true to what the Lord was doing in my life. Um, so yeah, so do things to be kind to yourself. And of course in the bath, I'm fully naked. I'm fully exposed in all of my vulnerability. And I just love how I just sit with the Lord in the presence of that and just, and just really delight in his tenderness and his kindness. And the more you spend time with that kind of character, the more you can't help but it rub off onto your own perspective of yourself. So, and I just allow the feelings to come and go in the morning. It might be tears, it might be giggles. It might be just playfulness, but there's room for both. I don't have to respond or even react to those things. They just happen. They just come and go. It's not hurting anyone in this moment. Um, and if there's any journey that I'm trying to navigate with someone or something, then I take the time to just sit and let that be. I don't have to resolve it. I don't have to fix it straight away. Um, and I kind of just allow there to be all this room for all the feelings, just as you would be with the cutest of children. You allow them to go to the sweetest of giggles, to the roughest of tears, and how gorgeous they are in both of them, you know. And then number eight, ask your heart, what can I do to build trust with you? Number nine, learn how to take honor and how to receive it. Don't downgrade a compliment don't dismiss a gift or loving kindness this was a breakthrough in my own independence and my own inability to let people love me was a sign I didn't think I was worthy enough um it was a sign that I didn't think I was trustworthy enough and I remember this one time actually just on a very on a very simple gesture I was in London one summer a couple of summers ago and um we're getting off the tube and coming up and out into the exit there was a, a guy that was opening a door for a woman in front of me and she stopped and she said, do you not think I can do this myself? And his face just dropped. And it was the saddest moment for me because I thought, oh gosh, in, this, in all our feminist ways, we've now lost the moment to actually embrace a, a kind gesture. This wasn't suggesting that you couldn't open the door for you, my love. This was a moment to say, I honour you and I'd like to do things for you. He was just trying to be kind. And so as I saw his face drop, I actually was stood there with my arms crossed, waiting to go through the door, and he sort of let the door go for this woman. And I said, excuse me. And he went, yeah. And I said, do you mind opening the door for me? Because I'd really, I think it's a real privilege when someone does that. And I feel like a real woman. <laughs> and he smiled and he went, absolutely. And I said, not all of us feel the same way as she did. And in fact, I'd love it to there to be more opportunities where we can say thank you. And uh, it was a really sweet moment. He nearly cried, I nearly cried. I'm really welling up just in that moment, you know. Finding places to encourage other people and to go, you did a great job even if you felt like the door was slammed in your face, quite literally. Um, 
So I guess my heart for you in leaving this is start letting people open the doors for you. Start letting people give you a compliment. Start letting people give you space to cry. Don't feel a burden. Don't feel like you're a waste of space if you're having any negative emotions. Be authentic with yourself and know that you deserve the time for yourself in order to process things so that you can actually be kinder, you can be a better leader in meetings, you can actually respond better to people. You're not pulling on people in the same, with the same high expectations that you might have for people to fill voids that you actually can fill, fill yourself. It doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't have a voice in a room. It doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't have needs to get met. But I actually would charge you with the fact that we become much more selfless with our needs when we're doing a good job, really loving who we are. And um, it's certainly been a thing that I've been navigating myself. And I'd love to know, for those of you that have actually asked your own heart, what can I do to build trust with you? I'd love to know what the heart told you and what your own heart told you. I'd love to hear stories about that. But next week, I'm going to talk about um, how we build trust with others because there is a slight... There are different perspectives and different navigations you have to deal with that because now you're dealing with other people who have different code systems. So um, I'd love to talk about that. And anything else you'd like me to talk about, thank you for the suggestions. Keep them coming through. We're certainly adding them to the list. And this has been a real privilege to do these podcasts with you. I'm really, really thankful for your time. And um, yeah, God bless you. And I'll be praying that this is just such a gorgeous adventure that you're about to go on, building trust with self really means you start to love people in such an extraordinary way that the capacity for other people really does expand. And I can't wait for you to just see how much it does change your life.